You're listening to a member of the Dice Tower Network, the home of smart people, insightful board gaming discussion, and me. What can I say? I like the Powerpuff Girls. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode number 24, Stay on Target. I am your host, Marty, and my co-host sitting over there that I can see on the screen is Tony. Hey, how's it going, Marty? Are you doing all right? Stay on target. Stay on target. Okay, I had to admit, I lose some geek cred because he was like, yeah, we're going to call this episode Stay on Target. And I was like, where's that coming from? And it was, um, I saw, I'm ashamed. That's all right. I mean, I probably say that more than anything else at work. You know, when I'm telling people, you know, to stay on target in the meetings and everything. And I do it that way, like they did in the movie. And they, everybody's looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, come on, guys, you know, you're, you're going down the Death Star and you're trying to blow it up and you got to stay on target. And never mind. It's just goal five. Goal five. There we go. Um, so anyway, but yeah, so in this episode, we're looking at, uh, one of the interviews that I got from Gen Con with Scott Diagostino from WizKids on the Star Trek Attack Wing game where I got to play the huge mega size Star Trek Attack Wing battle out there where I lost very quickly, by the way. So I paid one ticket to play the, the mega size version of it and we were done if whoever when you lost when the first ship was destroyed the game was over so you could either play for an hour or wait till a ship got destroyed let's just say everybody was not happy with me when we got done <laughs> was it bad dice rolling or bad strategy um it was a little of both i would uh, they had these huge dice and you had to walk over there because they didn't want them to break on the floor and they were very protective of their little models we spent 10 minutes learning how to pick the models up and i'll there'll be a picture on our blog of uh the models as well as the designers uh are surrounded by the models but yeah they they said you must grab them here if you fail to grab them here you will forfeit the game and the game will be over i'm like oh come on guys you know wow. Was there big dice also? Uh, yeah, they, they, they fit really big in your hand. So anyway, I was, that was one of the big things I was looking forward to at Gen Con. So guys, you'll get to hear that um, discussion as well, or interview with Scott. And then Marty and I went to the game store and got to play X-Wing and talk a little bit. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. What else we got on the agenda for tonight, Marty? Uh, I'm looking at our notes here. Yes, we actually do have somewhat of notes schedule sort of thing. So let's see. It says intro. Any news we want to share? Any news you want to share? Well, let's see. Um, the biggest news probably is that um, we tried a Netrunner League recently again, and you um, basically waxed the floor with my decks and i came in last in the net run no league. i waxed the floor with my deck waxed your floor with my decks and that's it my, my decks didn't even show up um so you know we're still playing that net runner game guys if you haven't tried net runner you know go 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 get go play and uh, marty and i will be at mace in november this is you know coming out way before the mace convention here in charlotte north carolina and if you want to take me on in netrunner or, or demo netrunner come see me we'll be at the table we'll be up on the um, stage where we're doing our podcasting from and interviews 
come challenge me or come learn how to play. I will teach you Netrunner and get you hooked on this <laughs> almost illegal substance. Uh, cardboard crack. You got it. And oh my heavens, uh, that's that game's just incredible from that standpoint. And I think the other news is something that you just spent uh, some money on, Marty, the Big, big news that, you know, everybody's going gaga over there over at the crowdsource funding thing, Kickstarter. Would oh, you- yeah. So here's a little Kickstarter news for you. And it's probably not news right now because everybody knows about this. And I know lots of people like to hear about games on Kickstarter, but this isn't a game. This is something I did not take advantage of last year. And I said, if I this ever happens again, I'm taking advantage of it. And I did. So... Reaper is doing another Kickstarter for their little miniature line called Bones, and this is called Bones 2. Now, they had a big countdown clock on their website for a few days leading into this, and I said, I don't care. If it looks anything like the previous uh, models, then I will be all over it. And so as soon as it went live, I said, pledge. And then all of a sudden, the it just went crazy. They burned through their first couple thousand for their first wave. They added another wave, burned through a couple thousand there. I mean, in the next, in the first few hours, they quickly made several hundred thousand dollars. And as of right now, we're about um, what sixty hours into the into the Kickstarter. What is it? What's the value at right now? It's roughly. $1.3 million. That's millions. My good. And these were just little plastic figures. That's it. That's just a it. little plastic figure. It, 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 it's amazing. And, you know, so Marty and I did some calculations here. for so, so for 60 hours, put this in perspective, guys. So if you were to throw a Kickstarter out there and it'd be, you know, and you say, oh, okay, you and you've had it running for 60 hours. And if you were Reaper, you just made close to $22,000 per hour on these miniatures. So for anyone who would challenge that, you know, oh, board gaming's just a fad, it's going to die off, or anything like that, I'm sorry. Here is the proof. I mean, come on now. I mean, you you got to admit, that's pretty darn impressive. And as Marty and I were discussing over lunch, think how much money uh, the federal government could make if they were to launch a Kickstarter with Reaper's help, where they were to do the 500-plus senators and House representatives. They could do some funding for the government, because I guarantee you, we'd all buy that up. Could you imagine running through a dungeon and killing, you know, I don't, I, we're, we're not political here, so I'm going to use them both. Either the, you know, Boehner or Cruz or whoever, I don't care. Just throw them out there. Do you, could you imagine people having fun with that? You know, maybe put uh, for for Cruz, you could give him like green eggs and ham or something or Boehner. Um, who's the who's the rep- who's the Senate Majority Leader? Is it Boehner? Uh, Senate Majority Leader is Harry Reid. Harry Reid. That's it. Harry Reid. You could put little boxing gloves on Harry Reid and on Boehner put two faces or something. I don't know. I don't care. But just think we could fund the national parks being open again if we were to do that. And then you could have like, you know, the witch that comes out that kind of looks like Nancy Pelosi. I wasn't going there, but I did think of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, how much face for work can you have done? I mean, really? Jeez. And, and the, and the, and the minority majority 30 sitting all in crooked, broken teapots or steam or being look, all looking like mad hatters. I don't care. So th- just think about that. 500 plus um, 
the government officials through Reaper and you could paint them up, could make them all scary and stuff. But anyway, yeah, bones. So Marty in bones too. Kickstarter by Reaper, you know, if you don't get anybody, I'm, I'm definitely there with you. I'll split it if you want to split it, but I don't know if you're going to want to. Those are some pretty looking, there's some sick models out there. No, I definitely want to split it because we're talking, I think the last time I counted, we were around a hundred, a little over a hundred figures for the pledge price of a hundred bucks. So you're talking a buck per figure. Now the bones line that came out last year those things are running anywhere from $2.50 to $4 a pop. And that's what these will be, too, when they're released after the Kickstarter. So it's a great value. Yeah, and some of the add-ons you can do are it's just incredible. And they just, what, didn't they just add dragons or something? Oh, yeah. there's I mean, name it. They have it. There's there's dragons, and there's rats, and there's bulls, and there's there's skeletons, and cool. They, did you see the gelatinous glob? No, I haven't been out there because I don't... I'm. I don't want to be drug in. I'm 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 going to feed off of you. I'll split it with you. Whatever. I don't want to put because you made a point. If you bid just a dollar, I'm, I'm sounding like a an NPR pledge drive or something here on public radio. <laughs> if you bid just a dollar, you can get the get Celtic Thunder or whatever. But um, you bid a dollar in there. You put a you, you kickstart a dollar. You can do any of the add-ons. So even if you don't want to commit a, a hundred dollars, guys. Look at some of those add-ons. Those are, those are pretty sweet, too. Depends on what you know. And everybody's like, well, I don't play RPGs. Take a look at some of those, and you can enhance your games. Oh, I, yeah, I totally agree. Because, I mean, we're talking about using these figures potentially with uh, um, RPGs, with um, miniature games. Uh, you know, and some people just may, you know, a lot of people aren't really into miniature gaming but are into just painting. Right. And the hobby of painting, so many great figures if you're into and just the painting the figures. There's so many different things that you can get and, and paint and, and have some fun with. So if you have any interest in these figures, I highly recommend going out and, and placing a bid. And, and like Tony and I are doing, find somebody to split it with. Just find three other people and split 25 bucks a piece and you'll end up with, you know, 20 to 30 figures per person that you can just have and do things with. Anyway. That's our kind of Kickstarter moment of this of this show. It's not a game, I know, but I mean, just number one, just how big that Kickstarter is and just the value that you're getting. Tony or I are kind of at the point now to where when we look at a game for Kickstarter, we, we're trying to decide, all right, is it worth getting into Kickstarter and getting it or should we just wait till after it comes out when we know that we can probably get it for less than MSRP in an online store? If you're not, if they're not throwing in a bunch of nice bonuses and stuff that basically add a lot of value to it, I'm actually a little more hesitant to jump in unless it's something that I just really want, you know, day one. I think one of that, one of those for both of us, Tony, was the Eminent Domain expansion, right? I don't know that we got a lot extra, but it's like, yes, I know I'm going to want it by. Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree with it, which leads me to another point, Marty. There's when I'm looking at Kickstarter, you're absolutely right. That's how I'm looking at it. But there was there was one thing that caught both of our eyes. One, because I've been sitting here playing with making dice boxes, is this The Dice Fault by um, Wormwood Gaming. Um, this, And I want to try to make these. And, and I know you may, you're may you thinking about looking into this. But, okay, I'll admit, so you got this really cool-looking coffin to carry your dice in. Is it really worth the $20 to, to spend on putting your dice in wood? It's up to you, but man, some of the wood, I mean, I'm just now getting into woodworking and some of the wood they're offering, that's not cheap wood they're putting out there. So that's, no, that's it's kinda, not. And, and it's a nice little, 
I don't know. A lot of people say, I, I don't need that. No, you don't need it. But it's, it's a nice little um, accessory. Right. Uh, to, to hold, and basically what it is, um, if you haven't seen it, um, like you said, it kind of looks like almost like a coffin. But there's two different sizes. There's one that holds seven dice and one that holds ten. The idea is is that you know the one with seven will hold you know a set of seven polyhedrals, which is typically how you buy it, like your dice from Chessex when you get the little plastic container. Right. It contains seven uh, different um, sided dice, and they all fit in this little trough. And you take the top off, and the top is magnetically held to the other side of the box, so it doesn't accidentally open. It just looks really cool. Uh, it does, and it, it'd be kind of neat to be you know place it out there on the table, pop it open, and spill out your dice. It's, it is a neat. So you know, from an accessory, actually, I hate to say it, this is coming out well before Halloween, but for the gamer in your life, that might be an all you know a gift. If they can, I think they even include it'll be ready to go before Christmas. So that's kind of it. And did you see that you could like include I don't know for like an add on where they put it in a nice little box and they put a wax stamp on it? Oh yeah, that was kind of cool. I like that. That was kind of neat. It's just a little nice little added feature. But anyway, what was the name of it again? It's the Dice Vault um, by Wormwood Gaming, and they've the, they did some other Kickstars. The biggest one was their dice trays, or no, I'm sorry, their um, wooden boxes to carry their cards around in. Um, so you'll probably find one of those sitting on your table, Marty. I'm going to play with that too. So who knows? Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. So yeah, again, they're not games, but they're nice little um, accessories. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I've into with Kickstarter. You know, it's unless it's something I'm really, really interested in, I want something unique. And there's so many games out there right now. It's you know, there's a, a game that we looked at the other day that uh, somebody contacted us and, and wanted us to look at, and it was a deck building game. And both you and I looked at it, and we went, "Well, it's a it's a deck building game." You know, nothing jumped out at either one of us to where it's like, "I'm going to throw some money down for that." It's one of those things. I think I can wait. Right, and, and the only game that's really gotten my attention um, is a card game, Marty, called Novus out there. And I, we, you and I talked about it, and we're like, what's different about But you know what it reminds me of? What? The World of Warcraft trading card game that's going ending. Oh, oh, that's right. I did read that because every card can be a resource. Every card can be a resource. And then you know what else it reminded me of is Warcry. You know how, okay, for those of you who don't know, Warcry was a game, I oh, can't even remember who released it, but it was a game that Marty and I tried. We love the arts. Sabretooth Games. Sabretooth Games. Oh, I pulled that out. No, I did not go look that up. I pulled that out of the caverns of my mind. Well done, sir. We love the art on those. That was. Oh, just- my goodness. Yeah, well, Warcry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. Warcry is based in the uh, Warhammer world. Go ahead. And we enjoyed that because you had the various, hey, you, if you had archers, you could fire on the back row. You had the front line. And when I'm going through the quick rules here of Novus, I'm getting that from the play area as well. You have a deployment zone, a combat zone. You know, you have these various zones. And that kind of reminds me of, okay, well, Warcry, we like that aspect along with the art. We like the ability that any resource in World of Warcraft could be used. You didn't just have to have a specific, oh, it's a it's a green tree, it's a swamp, uh, it's a black swamp or whatever. Um, I made sure we didn't hit any copyrights there, Marty. Um, so <laughs> I was going to say, what, have you not played a lot of magic? What is, what's going on over there? I'm just trying to avoid not saying certain words that they've copyrighted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. If they come after us, then they really are desperate. Yeah, they are. Oh, yeah. Like they're, yeah, the, the recent release, 
they're not desperate. No, uh, uh, no, no. Or every release. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, that once again. Thank goodness we missed that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice little tangent there. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. We're still collecting baseball cards that are doing so well for our for our oh loved ones. My gosh. <laughs> you remember that? Hey, let's collect these baseball cards. We'll send our kids to college. So our kids are going to college <laughs> next year. <laughs> and those baseball cards are useless. They won't even pay for gas to get there. <laughs> oh, wow. Check this one out. I got the Nolan Ryan misprint from Don Russ where his back is different. Oh, check that out. Look at this Ken Griffey upper deck 1989 rookie card. Oh, sweet. Which used to be like 150 200 bucks, and now it's... 50, 75? Yeah, it's not even worth it. But anyway, Novice, Novice I'm sorry, Novice, it's out there. Uh, take, if, you, if you're interested, what I like about it is you've got the um, the theme, the kind of the steampunk, uh, steampunk, uh, uh, well, it's sci-fi, isn't it's it? Sci-fi, I'm sorry, sci-fi, Battlestar type of stuff. It's got a little of that netrunner flavor but yeah mostly sci-fi there's no doubt about that so um i know i know guys we said we wouldn't do you know we our survey said hey do some kickstarter do some kickstarter don't do kickstarter don't do kickstarter so there's your feel on kickstarter is anything else caught your eye out there marty none none no that, that i mean really that that was it i don't want to spend any more time on it because you know those people that said don't talk about kickstarter they may have just press the stop button okay so if they did then they can jump to the next segment that's fine i completely understand <laughs> so next segment it looks like what we're going to do is what are we going to do here marty because i just my ipad just went asleep and that also oh means, my goodness well oh, it says it says oh, go ahead that's right it's the lord of lords of the water deep expansion yeah so uh <laughs> So I got a chance to play the uh, Lords of Waterdeep expansion, um, and um, I really, really like it. Uh, people know, well, people may not know. Last year, it was my game of the year, Lords of Waterdeep, and so when the expansion came out, I was going to be all over it. And it really has added some nice things. One is the additional player, which I really like, and also the corruption mechanic, uh, where you know, typically that uh, you're collecting adventurers to go and do your bidding. Well, Sometimes when you put your um, worker or agent into a building, you, you it, there's some of them that are really, really good where you get like a lot of extra gold or a lot of extra venturers. But when you do that, you're also going to take a corruption. And corruption at the end of the game counts as negative points. And they have this mechanic where the more corruption that's that's been pulled off the corruption track, the more negative each corruption token is worth. And so there's this idea of, of a mechanism to put get corruption away from you and whatnot. There's enough new mechanics to the game to where it just feels totally fresh and new. And I am, I'm really digging it. I really need to get you at the table with it because I know you like your worker placement games. I'm really curious to see your take on this one. Well, I've heard so much about it. I'm hoping that I'm going to keep my expectations kind of low. So question for you, did they sure. fix the, the mechanic of the people you pick at the beginning. Do, do do you have more flavor? That was the big knock at first about uh, Lords of no, Waterdeep. No, it's it's exactly what it was. I mean, the the flavor is some of the locations. Oh, it's the same that it was before. These are actual locations in um, 
Oh my but, goodness! But, but the it's, people. It's Dungeons and Dragons. I can't remember the, the no, people. But the people, you know, you, uh, hey, if you collect more of the purple quest and oh, the green yes, quest, yes, they, yes, yes, they, they've gotten away from that and and given some more varied things. Yeah, I think most of the lords were, uh, you know, collect these types of quests. I think one of them was whoever has the most buildings. It's more of that. It, it's where there's these uh, uh, the the new lords have you doing different things. It's more than just Hey, uh, whoever can get the most of this quest and this quest, you get extra points. So, yeah, they have added to that, which is nice. But you talked about theme and flavor. It's really about the same. I mean, when we ended up playing, I tried my best to call them wizards and rogues. And it ended up up being purple, black, orange. Well, well, have you purchased the accessories yet? No, you're talking about the, uh, the wooden. Yeah. Instead of, uh, no, I want to. I've seen them, and I think they look great, but I have not got them. Would it help? Potentially, <laughs> but I don't know to really change that. And actually, it might would, because they are in the shape of what they're supposed to be. And, and it's a mnemonic more than anything to help you remember. You know, it's no, it's a, not. It's not demonic at all. Ha uh, ha, mnemonic, or what is it? <laughs> a, a thing for your memory. Yeah. Don't, don't, mess, don't mess with me tonight. So, anyway... I mean, you know, give me some of those purple guys over there. You basically say, hey, he looks like a little wizard. Give me some of the wizards or stuff like that. But, yeah, um, if you haven't tried the expansion and you like Lords of Waterdeep, I highly recommend it. It's cool having the sixth person. It does take a little bit longer with the six people. Um, the the new boards that come with it, there's more locations to go to. Uh, so, it, you know, it you know typically worker placement games – Whenever you add an additional player in, it's just one additional player that's taking an additional turn each time, so the length is increased some. But it wasn't so much to where I felt like I cannot wait till this game is over. The tough thing about that game for me, and it's always been this way, it always seems like I need more turns. You know you have eight turns. Mm-hmm. I really start scrambling by six or seven. Okay. Because so. I feel like there's not enough time left. So. I understand, um, but I mean that's what's standard for most worker placement games. So you kind of you just getting it. It is you getting it going from that standpoint. Okay, yep. all right. So now, would you go back and play Lords of Waterdeep with or without? No, no. Okay, I will not. I will not play the base game anymore. Okay. Now, what's nice about the expansion? It's two different expansions actually. There's one that has the corruption built into it, and one that's just a new some new locations. So you can play one or the other or both together. Whenever I play, it'll be the base game plus one or both of those. Okay, I'm with you. All right. Well, I look well, forward. Good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I look forward to getting over there and doing that. But to be honest with you, it's second on the games I want to play that you've gotten. Uh, I want to try Pathfinder, and I, I got to get over there. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. <laughs> I had thought about doing a five minute initiative with the family to see what they thought. You know, you'd have to do like a probably a 10, 15 minute and do three of them on Pathfinder or something no, like that. No, no, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it to five. But if, if, here, I'll give a little bit on it. It is, if you played Descent, no, you're just no help here. 
Okay. So okay. Oh, okay. So so I'm no help here, but so just basically say I mean it's a game. I mean everybody's heard about what Pathfinder. It's a game. It's, yes, yeah. it is. It's a card game. It's yes. But what's well, the I was most unique? Say, I, was com- I was com- I was comparing it to the descent because the idea of consent, uh, descent is you start with the character and you play over a campaign and you get additional items that make your character more powerful over the course of a campaign. Pathfinder is the exact same way. Okay. The only the difference is with Descent, it's a, it's a game board with models, and you got to have like a game master mm-hmm. to run it. So it feels more almost like a dungeon crawl, where Pathfinder feels more like, well, it's a co-op game, number one. It's a straight out co-op game. The base game comes with two adventurers. There, there are scenarios. Okay, let me break this down. <laughs> there's an adventure path. The adventure path is what's going to occur over the course of about a year. I think, I think there's six expansion packs that cover the adventure path. Each expansion is an adventure and the adventure is broken down into three scenarios. Okay. Okay. So the base game, there's three scenarios to do one adventure and then you actually, which is kind of an intro type thing. And then you jump on to the, um, the Rise of the Rune Lords Adventure Paths. Mm-hmm. And that's included in the box. So then there's three scenarios for that one. And basically, there, there's a little bit of flavor text. So the whole goal is, is that everybody picks a standard uh, Pathfinder character class. You have four to choose from unless you buy the uh, character expansion deck, which gives you more. I think it goes up to six. Mm-hmm. I think go up to six players, but they give you a lot to choose from. So name a Pathfinder class. There's probably a character of it in there. And the character tells you, says, all right, here's the card you need to get. You can have this amount of items, this amount of armor, this amount of weapons, or this amount of spells. And you build a deck based on that. So that that is your character. Those cards also represent your life. As you're playing the game, you draw from that deck of cards. And there are mechanics in the game that may make you discard a card. And if there's ever a point in time when your draw deck is gone, you're dead. It's kind of severe. It is, because in the last scenario we played, I died. So what are you going to do? I had to roll again. Strictly to the rules. Now, you don't have to, but according to the rules, when you die, that's it. So anything that you gained... Now, as you play this game... Now, I hadn't gone very far to really get anything, but as you play this game, you gain additional feats... You become more powerful. Your health is increased. There's a bunch of bonuses that you get at the end of a scenario, an adventure. It will say, hey, you just earned a random card out of the box. Hey, you just earned a feat. And you might your feat might be to give yourself additional life. If you die, gone. Mm. And you're supposed to start over again from the beginning. Now, again, I was so low. I hadn't gained any feats or anything, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But death is bad. I would hate to get... <laughs> I think that's an I understatement. A, I would hate to get... Yeah. I'd hate to get a year into this thing and lose your character. That's basically a year you spent building up this character and he's gone. Well, I, and I think that's a, a, any type of... Well, we think back to our video games. I mean, anytime there's the chance that you're going to... You, you play a little bit more cautious. You play smarter. You, you don't want to go down that road where you've invested all this time and suddenly lose your... You are invested, and that is how they're investing. You, 
you lose the character. Now, okay, yeah. so from my standpoint, if I want to just come over and play a quick one, we can quickly pick up a character. There's a starter, mm-hmm. and you don't have to mm-hmm. – you can't. You could pick another character to bring me along, but yeah. having played that adventure already, you have an advantage. You know what's coming, right? No, not necessarily, because um, I know maybe what the goal of the adventure is. Like for the first couple ones that we played, we're looking for a villain. What happens is based on the number of people that are playing, there are location decks set around the table. A location deck consists of uh, like monsters or treasure or uh, barriers like traps. And what you do is you go to a location and you explore that location. Exploring just basically means flip over a card and you deal with whatever it is. If it's a monster, you fight against it. And the fighting combat works just like it does in Pathfinder. It'll say, okay, um, if you have a bow, you may have a a 1d6 plus 2 that you get to roll. And maybe there's something else you can boost, add another die or something. You roll and then there's a number on the card that you have to exceed in order to beat it. Mm-hmm. And if you do, then it's beaten. So if it was a monster, you try to beat the monster. If it's a treasure, you roll to try to acquire it. So maybe there's a cool sword that you found. Well, it'll say, okay, to get this, you need to roll a charisma of five. And so you look on your stat card, you see what's required for that. You roll it. If you beat a five or tie it, you get to put that in your hand. So that's how you loot the dungeon. Okay. The whole goal of the game is you're trying to find that villain in one of those locations that's on the table. All right. And then you have to defeat the, the villain. Now, people can go to the same location and work together. Likewise, there are blessings cards where if somebody's in another location, you can use a blessing to help them out on their role. That's the co-op portion of it. Mm. In addition, if you're at the same location, you can trade. So say, for example, you were a warrior and I was a mage and I got this cool double two-handed sword. Yeah. If you come to my location, I can just give you that card. Oh, it's kind of like here's this, the city we're in to get you that city card to help you cure the disease. I'm with you. Yeah, everything's back to pandemic. I get it. <laughs> so, so that's that's the whole the, the co-op thing. And then at the end of the game, what you can do is you can sit around the table and start trading cards. Hey, I got this card. Anybody want to trade? And and what happens is that your card you still have to satisfy the rules of your character. Meaning, after you finish. You must discard cards down to where you have back to your like two items, a two, two armor. You have to get back to that same card count. But you may be replacing cards that you got with better cards. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like at the Connell household, you got a big winner that's going to keep everybody engaged. What's just going to happen to Adam when he goes off to college in a year? Well, it's on, this is only a year campaign, so we have a year to finish it. Yeah, but then the next campaign... Well, then we'll see. We'll see how it goes from there. Okay. Well, but yeah. So, so yes, you need to come over and because you can play a two-player game. Okay. And uh, see what it's like. It does take a little setup. There is some. There is some setup time, uh, in setting up these locations because every location, every scenario requires a certain number of cards. Every location requires a certain number of monsters or traps or loot or whatever. So the setup time is kind of a pain in the booty. Well, I mean, but you can have that done. You'll have the, I mean, it happens, but you can get it done. Or if you have the capability, you can probably be ready to go well before I get there. So I appreciate that. I appreciate yes, you taking the time. I, would. I know. I'm just messing no, no, with I you. mean, that, and that's, that's what I do for the family. It's like, okay, you know, I'll come up and say, okay, guys, I've got the next scenario set up. Whenever you want to play, let's play. And everybody just sits down. They, I've already given them all the character cards. We just sit down and start playing. It takes about an hour. Okay. An hour, hour and a half. And Vanessa's depending. engaged in this as well, right? Oh, my goodness. She's a barbarian and she beats the 
poop out of things. She is having the most fun over there swinging a big old sword and just taking out monsters left and right. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. That is awesome. But she's dumb. <laughs> okay. Anything that requires a wisdom check, she ain't going to pass. So we kind of have fun with that. So I'm going, I'm going, okay, I was going to say, I'm going to paraphrase this. So you're, you're, anything for your wife to, you know, wisdom check, she's not going to pass. She's going to fail because she's dumb. The character that she's playing will fail. Yes. Does she get into character? Yes. Oh, she, she, she gets into that. And it's funny. She never plays. She's never played anybody like this. Usually it's Travis that plays like a tank. Yeah. And Vanessa's like, no, I'm doing something different this time. And she's all about and, that. And she's, she's having a ball. Well, it, I'm the cleric. I'm always the cleric. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You're typecast. What can we say? I am. Uh, well, guys, that's uh, we're going to um, move on to our next segment here. But that's a pretty good rundown of the things that we're playing right now. I know Marty didn't expect me to do this to him. But, I mean, you you got to admit. Yeah, that was – I'm looking I'm looking at our um, show notes here. There is nothing about Pathfinder right there. I, I know, but it, it led right into it. I mean, so from the standpoint so, – So, everybody, that was free. That was free content for you. Well, everybody's hearing about it and when they know we've got – that you got it and – it's always good to, to know how you, it's been what, two months since this thing's been out? Gen Con? Yeah, about almost. Gen Con, mm-hmm. and almost two months. Yeah, almost two months. And so, you know, you got some, you got some mileage on it, and it's, it's well, good. Well, sure. And it is still the number one game on the hotness list on BGG. Okay. That has knocked out Netrunner. So by now, if, as many times as we said, Netrunner, the drinking game, has really kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, Lords of Waterdeep and the expansion and Pathfinder you've been playing. And, and it's just it's good to hear how those are going. There's no doubt about it. So, well, There's we'll, no doubt about it? There's no doubt about it. No there's doubt about none. it. I don't have any doubt. All right, doubt. so we're going to get back on schedule here. So it looks like we got the interview with... Scott D'Agostino. D. D'Agostino. Thank you. So tell me about, so um, is it, do you just talk about Star Trek? Is that pretty much it? Your experience with that? Yeah, we, we, we pretty much talk about Star Trek and the game. We talk, probably one of the neatest thing when we come out of the interview, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it, but probably the neatest thing is the, um, the support, the six month campaign that they have going on and the model, the deep space, uh, deep space nine space station, which was a, a foot across that the winner can get. Now at our local game store, your local game store, they were, they did not get into it because it it hasn't found its way into into the store, plain and simple, even though they sold it out, they haven't gotten the league started, but it's a six month thing. And I am jealous of anybody who's at their local store and they have this thing going on. Cause that, that's an incredible prize. Um, we talked about that is, that is pretty slick. I saw a picture of it. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and from my standpoint, I was like, man, Star Trek, you know, I, Star Trek's my favorite over Star Wars just for the, just because I guess, you know, I watched it so much growing up before Star Wars came out and, but it's, it's still one of the frame, but he tells me all about that. We talk about the game. We talk about the mechanics and what people before anyone sits there and says, Oh, all they did was copy, you know, Star Wars X wing from fantasy flight. Well, yeah, they licensed it. So I, they've got rights to copy all the mechanics. But it, if you think about it, that's, that's brilliant. That's pull in another base. Cause you know, if, if you like Star Trek, you're probably going to like Star Wars and, and who knows, 
people can be creative. People are already playing Star Wars against Star Trek and stuff like that. So it, it was a very good interview with him, and it was near the end, and um, I really enjoyed the time, and I really enjoyed getting to play it. I mean, you know, the game is uh, was designed by Christopher Guild and Andrew Parks, and they really put a lot of thought in the Star Trek universe versus the Star Wars universe, how to make it different. And Scott talks about that, that the big difference for them is they are going to try to leverage the missions and the galaxy class carriers and building crews and putting various crews together. So guys give it a listen and uh, you'll get some good tidbits out of this. Well, I just finished playing Star Trek Attack Wing. Well, sort of played it. I don't know. I was blown up immediately. The Romulans just didn't come through for me. I thought the cloak would work for me well. But had the opportunity to play with the designers. And I'm now speaking with Scott D'Agostino uh, from WizKids Games. So, Scott, my first question is, I'm a Star Trek fan other than that other franchise, really. I, I grew up on it. Okay. Um, and let's just, first off, for our listeners... How is there? Is there a lot of difference? Why would someone go with this one versus the other franchise? Uh, well, I'll tell you what some of the uh, unique items for uh, Star Trek Attack Wing are. Um, Star Trek Attack Wing, uh, we have uh, certainly with Star Trek Universe. There's so many characters, um, and uh, these are capital-sized ships. You know, there's there's thousands of crew members uh, in the ship, so there's a lot of uh, different characters that you can assign to ships uh, as crew members, uh, a lot of different weapon and tech upgrades, so there's, uh, there's a lot of variation, a lot of uh, uh, being able to really customize your ship. Um, again, since these are capital-sized ships, uh, they do uh, ha- tend to be more sturdy, uh, have a lot of uh, hull points, uh, which is essentially like your health in the game, uh, too, many, uh, too many hits to your hull, as, as unfortunately you, uh, you felt in our mega-sized battle yeah, here. Yeah, uh, six defense rolls. I think I did, well, I did 12 defense rolls, and I didn't block a single shot, but <laughs> that's okay. So, so anyway. So there, there are, uh, there's a, a, a lot of hull value, a lot of shield value, uh, but... Uh, uh, so they're pretty sturdy ships. Uh, it's very difficult to get a one-shot kill uh, on any, any one ship. So you can play a very satisfying game with, with one, one-on-one even uh, ships. And, uh, uh, but uh, also because they're larger ships, there's, uh, there's less of agility value. So, uh, so you're not rolling as many de- defense rolls. Uh, and some ships, uh, the maneuverability is a little challenging. They're, they're not doing real tight turns. Um, and uh, that's a real advantage for actually some of the smaller ships that are in the game that they have much more uh, maneuvers available to them. Um, another thing uh, is that uh, in this game we have uh, captains as a separate card. Um, so they have their captain skill, which determines the turn order. But uh, they also have their own special abilities as a separate card. So you can have uh, the ships uh, that they're piloting will have an ability uh, or can have an ability. And, uh, and then also your captain that you assign can have its own uh, special ability. Um, we also have a shield system. The shield system is, uh, essentially becomes another resource in the game, which is, uh, you know, it's so classic track to be able to, uh, to, to divert the power from the shields into the weapons, into the engines. Um, so there's a lot of card effects that, uh, that you can use the shields as a resource by disabling them. Uh, you had mentioned cloaking for the Romulans. We have uh, we have uh, cloaking uh, devices for 
the, uh, the ships uh, that it would be appropriate for. And cloaking's a, a special ability for these ships where it will give them a bonus uh, for defense dice, which is very big considering that a lot, of, uh, a lot of ships don't have a lot of agility. It's common to have maybe one or two as an agility. To have an extra four dice is, uh, is big. Um, the, uh, the gamble, though, is that when you cloak, you have to disable your shields. So, even though it's harder to hit you, if you do get hit, those hits are going to go straight through to your hull. So you're more susceptible to things like critical hits uh, if they do manage to target you while you're, while you're cloaked and, and be able to hit you. Yeah, and I noticed that, I mean, it's not like you were cloaked and you were invisible, flying around invisible. They were still able to find me. They were still able to hit me. It just gave me the defensive dice. Now, speaking of the dice rolling mechanism, are, are they all D8s? It's, uh, it's all D8s, yep, and the, uh, the base set comes everything you need to play. So you have five uh, attack dice, five defense dice, um, and uh, so you have those uh, to be able to, uh, to roll. We're actually going to be a, doing a storyline organized play program uh, starting in September. Uh, that's uh, the Dominion War, and we'll be having participation prizes for uh, stores that are running. It will be for in-store play. And, uh, and speaking of the dice, why I bring this up is uh, the first participation prize is an elite attack die, which has a better chances, better chances uh, to hit. And uh, you pay points to be able to add that on. And then once per round, you can swap that in for one of your attack dice. Okay. So if you're like our local game store, if they, and that's their name, it's your local game store, wanted to participate, they just contact WizKids through the retail program and get that happening? It'll be through their distributor. Um, if they contact their distributor, there is a, uh, a purchase requirement to be able to purchase the organized play program kit. Um, and if they make that purchase requirement, they can, they can purchase the kit and uh, start in on month one of the Dominion War. It'll run for six months, uh, so stores will run one event per month. Uh, each kit will support up to 12 players. And, uh, and at the end, uh, which we have here at, on display at Gen Con, the grand prize it, the, for the player that has the best record is Deep Space Nine as a playable I, I saw that. That huge, you mean that huge piece is the prize? Wow. Yeah, that is the prize. It's, uh, it's about 12 inches in diameter, about 10 inches in height. Uh, the prototype that we have here has a dark base, but uh, it'll be a clear base. So there'll be a cardboard token that goes underneath it, just like the ship tokens, but oversized. So it'll have its own stats and uh, firing arcs and everything. So you can actually you know, put in the table and uh, have a space station as part of your, uh, your uh, Star Trek attack wing battle. So I know WizKids is offering, if you purchase up the um, Star Trek Attack Wing right now, you can still get, and we would all scream con if we wanted to, but is that, do you still have that available out here, or will it be made available to other people? Is it just Gen Con only? The, uh, the, we have the Con exclusive, uh, which is the, the Con Sing uh, card, which is available with purchase here at, uh, at Gen Con. Uh, we're uh, currently right now offering it as exclusive for, for Gen Con. And I know there's some expansions coming out. What is the thought? What's going to happen moving forward with Star Trek? WizKids is behind it. Obviously, strong product support, strong company support behind it. What's the thought a year from now, a couple years from now? What are you all thinking about? Well, I'll tell you what we've announced for the, uh, for the next couple of months through the, through the end of the year. Um, we just released here at Gen Con with the starter set and eight expansion packs. Uh, the starter set comes with, uh, there's three ships. Uh, so you've got uh, the Federations have the Enterprise D. The, uh, the Romulans have the Dideridex-class ship, the Kazara. Uh, the, the Klingons have the Vorcha-class ship, the, the Mata. And uh, with the eight expansions, we add two more Federation ships, two more Romulan ships, two more Klingon ships. We also add two Dominion ships. Coming up in October, 
we are going to release four more ships. So that will be one more Federation, Klingon, Romulan, Dominion. And in uh, December, four more ships. Uh, th so that will be um, Wave 1 and Wave 2. Um, and uh, so one more Federation, Klingon, Romulan, and uh, Dominion. And I'll just point out in, uh, in October, because I know a lot of people have been asking about it, the first Federation ship in, the, uh, in that Wave 1 will be the Defiant. Oh wow, the Defiant! Now I know one thing is, and I don't know—I haven't played the other game, but in this game, I really like the balancing of the points. is based on the captains, and how many? Like I—I I know I had you know the Romulan and someone else with him, and then of course uh, Picard had uh, a couple of Worf and, and the engineer. Oh God, Miles O'Brien. Hell on wheels! I can't get past that right now with him. You know, he's—he's he's the engineer on a train now. But anyway, um, how many? cards come in the set or are you going to have expansion packs like that as well sure um you know i i don't know exactly how many cards come in the uh in the starter i don't remember that offhand but uh there's certainly enough to build uh um we recommend a, a 100 point build for a game uh makes for a really nice game because you can have with 100 points you can have two ships that are pretty well decked out with uh with uh, a good captain and crew and upgrades or maybe uh, scale it down a little bit and do two, uh, three ships that have uh, the captain and, and a couple of upgrades. Um, each of the expansion packs comes with uh, anywhere between 10 and 15 uh, cards. Uh, that'll be for uh, the ship, the captains, um, the, uh, the crew, the upgrades. Uh, we also, in each expansion pack, there's a mission card, which is uh, basically an alternate gameplay uh, that's appropriate for the storyline that that ship was in. So instead of uh, simply playing a game where it's just, you know, go, in, go into the map and blow each other up, there will be some scenario play to it. Uh, and that comes in every, uh, in the starter, there's two in the rule book, uh, two missions. And then in each expansion pack, uh, there's a mission card to have this alternate gameplay. So there's a, a lot of different games you'll be able to play when you pick up these expansion packs. Well, Scott, I appreciate your time, and thanks for letting me have an opportunity to play the large Star Trek Attack Wing. The only thing that would have been even better is if we had smoke coming out of the one I was doing, unfortunately, but that's all right. But once again, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much, there. All right, so that was the interview, and basically I was ready to go purchase Star, War, Star, War, Star Trek Attack Wing, Marty, at Gen Con until I found out, oh, Con's gone. And I'm like, well, darn Con's gone. Yeah, the, the the promo that they had going there. Oh, oh I was thinking C-O-N, Con. No, no, it's like, what do you mean it's no, gone? You were right uh, there at it. Uh, right. No. Con! <laughs> um, no, that they had sold all that out. And so I was like, oh, well, drat. So no big deal. I know I can pick it up on eBay if I want to do it. But probably the big thing, Mario, you know, you and I sat down and played Star Wars X-Wing so that we could compare three games that we've looked at first off we looked at at origins back in 12 2012 you and i demoed leviathan from catalyst game labs mm -hmm. and thanks for the follow-up there i was leading you into some but anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> was that a throw to me <laughs> that's okay uh, let me try this pitch again all right um so anyway leviathan's catalyst game labs and just recently, you know, you mentioned that Catalyst Game Labs was going to look at kickstarting Leviathan, and you recently found something out about this. Yes, um, I actually went and I didn't talk. I reached out to Randall at Catalyst Game Labs and just asked. 
What? No, no that's, that was, that's not right. That's on a different game. Yeah, wow, that was I'm on Shadowrunner. That was on uh, that was on Crossfire. No, yeah, on this game. So we found out what they're going to do is they're going to repackage um, Leviathan and make it a little bit more affordable. And they're I think they're finding out working with a new manufacturer or something. And it's supposed to be kickstarted. And they're still working on trying to get that kickstarter in place. But something has happened where it's been delayed a little bit. So I think we're still going to be waiting a little while before that that kickstarter gets underway. Right. And so my point is, I'm in Vaporlock. I really want one of these games because I, I when we were playing. Just even Leviathan. I mean, the difference between Leviathan, X-Wing, and Star Trek to me is Leviathan, you're, you're playing with the massive blimps. You're using, you're constricted in your movement on the hex, hex base. But what's neat about um, Leviathan, other than the 200-300-page uh, rule book that comes with it, is you have the various, they, you're not dealing with just lasers. You're, you're dealing with, um, you know, cannon fire. You have to deal with altitude and and all the, all the multiple dice rolls and and you can there's a lot of strategy in setting up to get broadside attacks and all this other stuff and that was one of the things we really liked about Leviathans. Now X, right. yeah, I mean, and, but you know, and, but X Wing and Star Trek, they're kind of like it's dogfighting, you know? Yeah, and and it's I know we talked about hey, let's compare these three, but to be honest with you, I. To me, Leviathan is a lot further removed from those other two games than those two games are from each other. I, I would agree with you there. Because uh, I, was, I was struggling with, you said, let's compare these. I'm going, I'm not sure I can compare Leviathans with X-Wing because they are so different. I mean, number one, with, with Leviathans, you've got a hex-based board. With X-Wing and um, Attack Wing, you have the, uh, the measurement sticks, so you can move you know, anywhere you want. Exactly, and and I think that's that's an excellent point. You've got the freedom of the movement with those games versus the control, but then again, once again, to to compensate for that, to me, I think in the games is you have atmosphere and you can pretend clouds. Well, you can put asteroids out there for you know Star Wars sure. and all that, so you can put a little f- obstacles out there for the other two. So I guess for me, Marty, when I was thinking about comparison, you know, the, doing the comparison of the three, is that we're we're looking at games that um, I guess it comes down to what do you want? Do you want sci-fi or do you want this steampunk thing going on? And, and, you know, it's to me, it's not really a theme thing. It's going to be more of the mechanics. So why don't we look at Star Trek and Star Wars and kind of compare those two real quick. So for me, from what I saw, Star Wars, like you said, is a lot like dogfighting. And I'm going to compare that to another game, which I've mentioned recently, which is Wings of Glory, which is the uh, World War One game that I've been playing with my dad. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of concept. And that you move in free space, and it's more like dogfighting. There's an arc in front, just like there is in um, in these other two games. And you put down your movements hidden from each other and then resolve. It's like Not simultaneously, but it's not like with Leviathans where it's your turn. Okay, I'm going to move. Now it's your turn. Now you're going to move. It's We're both picking our movements at the same time, and then... Then you're showing them and resolving those movements, right? So Wings of Glory is a lot like Star Wars and Star Trek, except it's not as strategical as what the other two are. So I'm just going to put that one aside for a second. To me, that one's even closer than than what Leviathan's is. So to me, and it makes sense with Star Wars, you're dealing with dogfights. You're dealing with fast moving small ships, Tie Fighters, X Wings. They can do barrel rolls. They can quickly move and turn and dodge. 
I assume in Star Trek you can't do a barrel roll with an Enterprise, right? Well, you know, John Luke Picard could do anything with the Enterprise. <laughs> okay, make make it so make it so engage, and you know. so yeah. So I think the idea, and I think he talked about Scott talked about this too. It's about huge ships with shields, and they're hard to take down. You know, with X wings, you know, a couple good shots to you, you're gone. Right. That's not going to be that way in Star Trek. A ship's going to last a little bit longer because you got to work through its shields and then you got to work through its hull. So it's almost like you're dealing, you know, with a you know instead instead of a fast mobile ship that's weak, you're dealing with a huge slow moving ship that can take a lot of hits. And I think the big difference for me is this idea or the the concept of crew building. I know you can pick your pilots for your Star Star Wars side, right? And, and you can do some modifications. But with as you add more and more fleet or galaxy class in Star Trek, if I'm understanding it correctly and everything I've read in the rules and listening to Scott is now you can add all these crew members as you add these expansions then you can mix and match and build a different ship and these crew members make the points. So I think to me that appeals to my card side, my card collecting side and building a better deck. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. And uh, there's something I picked up from Scott that I didn't realize, the fact that you can take uh, a captain, say um, Picard, and you can have him on the Enterprise, but there's no reason why you can't pick up another Federation ship and have him captain that ship. Exactly. And take and take crews, and that would be it would play totally different because that ship is different. Mm-hmm. But you can use the same captain on different ships. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and that was makes it neat. And I'm sure there's going to be other modifications to it because when you think of the Star Trek universe, and I know the Star Wars universe is huge, but Star Trek, come on. I mean, that thing is tremendous in all the history behind it. And you got a Deep Space Nine, you got the Defiant, you got, and the Ferengi, and, and you know, the Romulans, and the Klingons. And it, I mean, it just goes on and on. And they've got a rich core. And I just hope that, you know, they continue to build it. The other thing that, and I'm not trying to say Star Trek, Lord, like we'll get any responses on the forum on BGG. But anyway, Star Trek. You know they're they're trying to do mission based stuff more so than Star Wars. That's one of the things that I was in doing research on this. I was like, okay, what's everybody saying is the big difference? And a lot of people are saying it's the missions versus the dogfighting. Okay. Well, aren't there there are special scenarios or something you can play in Star Wars? Yes, and I know a good, a good reference to that was. Um, did you see the tabletop episode with Will uh, Wheaton where they played Star Wars? Yeah, where they had to get the cargo containers across right. the thing. Yeah. Right. So, so that was the that was the scenario for that one is getting that one. Is it with Star Trek? Is it? when you say you're playing through the missions or what, does it go from game to game or is everything encompassed in one game? You could do it that way. Like one of the missions is, you know, you, you need to beam down a crew to a planet and they have a planet in the starter kit and you can beam a crew down and you have to somehow, somebody's got to pull them off because they're science or something. I mean, it's, it's that type of stuff that they're trying to roll out and they're trying to release new missions. Like you needed to escort this science ship through, which is kind of like trying to get the cargo guys across the finish Mm -hmm. line. So I think it's kind of the same, but it's that to me is how can you 
bring the, the, I mean, you're not going to beam anybody down from an X-Wing or the Millennium Falcon. Matter of fact, I don't think there's any beaming at all in Star Wars. So, you know, that, that's kind of a null point, I think. But, but that's what they're trying to build in the Star Trek universe. Where Star Wars, you know, they'll probably be bringing it out from Fantasy Flight. I'm sure they'll incorporate it. I, I'm sure the two games, it, it's going to come down, I think, to people is which universe do you prefer? To, which, which group do you prefer to, to follow? I, I agree. Um, I didn't see a huge difference. Again, maybe the types of battles that you're dealing with, like you said, the way you build your fleets is different. The question is, is that enough for people to make them go from one or the other? Or is it strictly going to be, I like Star Wars over Star Trek or vice versa, and that's the one I'm going with? Yeah, and I, and I think that's what a lot of people look at it. But I'm sure there's a lot of other things that we're just we're not covering. But for you and I, for what limited demoing we've done and what play that time I had with Star Trek, you know, I think I'm going to have to wait for our local game store to get a, another demo copy in and play Star Trek again and against you. And then we'll play Star Wars again. And then we'll just say, okay, let's play Netrunner. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, here's my, here, here's my big beef yeah. with getting into one of these games storage. Yes. I tell you what, just, just clean out your war machine bag. Well, yeah, that's true. But some of these ships won't fit in those, those little slots. I would actually need to buy new um, foam trays in order to put them in. Okay, well, I'll go out and buy you a, f- a foam mattress pad, and I'll cut it up for you. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Always on the cheap. But I guess, guys, if, if you're, we'd love to hear what you think the big difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. If Say, all right, so, Tony, you want to go buy one. You, I'm jonesing for, for one of these games. I don't know why. I don't know why, Marty. It's just something I want to play, and I think a lot of it just is – just the whole idea of growing up, you and I growing up during the during the big Star Wars time, during Star Trek, it'd be, oh man, I, I'm the captain of the Enterprise and this is how I would do the Kobayashi Maru um, scenario and I'm sure I screwed that up or, or, you know, this is how I would have blown Darth Vader out of the sky or something like that, you know. That's, I think that's what the appeal is to me and why I want to play one of these games so bad. So where does Leviathan thing come in? Leviathan is, I get uh, some really cool-looking blimp guys with really cool dice mechanics and a lot of strategy, I think. Lot, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I just think that Leviathan's, when I think back to our demo and all the different things that you had to do, you had the repairing, the firing the cannons, the various dice rolls, the dice mechanics, and the maneuverability, I just felt like that seemed, to me, even though it was on a hex plane, you had to really think through your moves because you weren't moving very far with these, but it's. Well, yeah, what was kind of cool about this. So with uh, the X wing and that attack wing, you've basically got your, your arc, you know, somebody ends up on that arc, you can shoot them. Right. And, and you have a gun or an upgraded gun that you can use with the Leviathans. There was different types of weapons on different sides of the ship. Right. You remember the front of the ship had a turret that could only go so far, but if you could get it at corner just right, you could use both the front guns and the side guns. If you were turned too far to one side, the front guns wouldn't be able to hit it. So there was, I remember positioning was a huge deal with that game. Uh, oh, it, it, and it was, and just rolling, and I don't, I mean, you don't have shields, and you, 
from Leviathans, and it was just depending on which gun, and each gun, depending on the gun, had a different color to use a different dice, which you know may helped you or hurt you or whatever. But there was also that dynamic too of when you started taking damage, mm-hmm. like you said, it affected. Did it affect the engine? Mm-hmm. Did it affect the crew? Did it affect the weapons? And that was reflected in how far you can move. Maybe it hurt your engines or the fact that maybe your guns weren't as good anymore and you were using dice that were um, not as wouldn't have as good a chance to hit. Exactly. Or the crew was destroyed on that side and they couldn't repair anything. You remember that aspect of it? Yes. Yeah. So I, I do, I am curious, um, or I can't wait to see what, what's going to be in the Kickstarter. You know, our game store does have a Leviathan. So maybe we need to pull that out and try that again too. But no, I see what you're saying and it's funny, but you always say to me, but will we play it? I know. But would we play it? <laughs> and, and I realize it that is a, it is a two player game. So it's not a game that we'll pull out at the, um, game club. No, it's, it's not. Well, but Star Trek is multi. It's more than two player. Oh, and but you know what Leviathan was too? Yes, it was. Well, so was Star Wars. Exactly. They played four player on um, tabletop, and they controlled different ships. So any, yes. I mean, yeah. So so it can be multiplayer. Yeah, that 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 was that was a that was a dumb statement. I apologize to everybody. I made a dumb statement. Y'all have never heard that from me before. Yeah, it, so it's, that, that was the first. I mean, it's not like the brilliant idea from last episode. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, in a future episode yeah, outro. Um, but more or less, so. So I think to wrap this thing up, having played Star Wars, having played Star Trek, having played Leviathan, wanting a tactical flying game that maybe could bring to the table that I could enjoy, you know, throw it out when you and I had 30. Because to be honest with you, I don't think these games take that long, depending on the missions and whatever, you know. Depending on the size of the fleet. Yeah, the size of the fleet. Um I, my mind's still not made up. Which one would I, I want to invest in? Um, which one? I mean, I look at when, when I did hear that the big ships and fancy flights was going to be $90. I'm like, oh, um, yeah, where that's brutal. Where the, where the Star Star Treks are running about, you know, fourteen ninety nine MSRP or whatever. Well, yeah. So far, so far. I mean, remember, X-Wing's been out a year and they're just now releasing those huge ships. So. Yeah, but. These are galaxy class ships that they don't get any bigger than Star Tr- oh. Star Trek Enterprise D. Yeah. One thing I wasn't really crazy about for me in the Star Trek, I don't think the paint jobs are that great on the models as compared to Star Wars. I, I agree with you. See, they seem rather they seem rather bland to me. I'm not sure. It's not seem like one as much detail color wise as there is on the Star Wars models. There are there aren't, and that's why you pull out your wash. Yeah, that's true. But Big advantage of this is not having to paint. I, I did see somewhere, and I have these upstairs. Somebody was taking the Star Trek Enterprise. Um, God, now the the uh, the original Enterprise. They were taking it off their micro machines, mm-hmm. and they were putting that on there so that it could be comparable in size because they compared Enterprise D to the original Star Trek, mm. and they were like, "Yeah, there's no this this is wrong." And they were using their micro machines. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so technically, I guess I could use my micro machine still mint and package, which would go next to my baseball cards. <laughs> and, and, and we could play that way. <laughs> anyway, so. So anyway, well, you know what? Was that the last Gen Con? 
Uh, we uh, uh, interview with uh, with uh, Wiz Kids. Yeah, we still have a couple of. We've still got a Catalyst Games uh, one. We've got uh, two design. We do. Yes, we did. We did. We did Catalyst Games, didn't we? Uh, we did Corey. We we still have a, a twenty minute one from Catalyst Game. Not Catalyst. I'm sorry. Um, I was Stri- very confused. Uh, Cryptozoic. Oh, okay. We, we still got okay. a 20-minute one from Cryptozoic that we haven't played yet. And it's all around their online game that they're releasing, which, com- you see, you've, I'm not prepared. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, my goodness. I can only think of Hearthstone because that's the uh, that's the Blizzard game. Yeah, but they've got that game coming out. Is it Hex? Hex. I was wondering if that was it. I, w- I didn't want to say it. Okay, I pulled that out of my mind again. There was no typing on the keyboard. I'm I'm typing. Yes, we. I, I interviewed um, and see once again. I don't have my notes in front of me because it's been so long, and my mind is filled with something else. But yeah, the Cryptozoic Hex game. I interviewed uh, the CEO of Cryptozoic, and he talked to me about Hex. Well, then maybe when that uh, game starts coming around a little bit sooner, we can get that out there and let. Uh let people hear about that exactly and then of course we've we've still got a couple games uh designers from game salute that when their games hit um retail we'll definitely throw them out there that sounds good all right so that was it star trek star wars and a little bit of a uh leviathan maybe a touch of uh, wings of glory we had a we hit a lot of flying battle games we didn't stay on target no we didn't we stink so that's it guys and uh, just be curious if uh, come out to the forums and let us know which do you like better, Star Wars or Star Trek? Well, Tony, that wraps up another episode of Rolling Dice to Take Names. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> well, yeah, so here I thought I had a really good snappy thing to start the outro with, and come to find out I, I really didn't. So, anyway. Uh, so we, I'm going to know I'm going to go back and listen to this, especially that first segment. I'm going to go, wow, we rambled a lot. So actually I think we did. I think we did a good job on that, Marty, from the standpoint of we got out our information, especially about all the Kickstarters that are hitting and, and we rambled a little bit in Star Trek, but that's okay. That's, that was, <laughs> that's no big deal. That's your fault. You big Trek. I know. God, like I, you were dropping out terms. I had no clue. I was never a big Star Trek fan. Oh, that's, so. that's, that's fine. I understand. I mean, I've got, I think I've seen every next generation. That's that's probably my favorite. Yeah. And that came on while we were in college. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Body of Proof with Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine. Oh, that was a good pause. Okay. I, I was going to say Body of Proof. I guess that's a show. That's a show. I haven't seen yes, it. Yes. It's a uh, – never mind. You and I just do not – okay. So, guys, last time <laughs> Marty told me, and if you listen at the end where he does the music and we talked about recording Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he said, make sure you want, you know record that one. So I've recorded it. So he and I – imagine this. We don't always see eye to eye on those TV shows that we watch. So my – Agents of Shield. It's just not. It's not living up to to my expectations. So I need to lower mine. But I'm sure for more. What are you? What, what are your what, expectations? What, 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 get the ice out of your mouth. There you go. My bad. What were your expectations? I don't know. That's the problem. I think that was the. It wasn't supposed to be Avengers on TV. I know it wasn't supposed to be T- Avengers on TV. Yeah. Look, look. It's a slow boil with Joss Whedon shows you got to stick with let him develop the stuff or let him develop some characters and some interaction trust me something big is going to happen it always does okay somebody will die 
guaranteed if this show goes on long enough, there will be a death. Maybe, well. Maybe not to the extent of the George R.R. Martin deaths, but still there will be a death. Yeah. It's still funny that people say, why did he kill him off? Because it's in the book. It's in the book. I know that's so funny. Anyway, so what we got big coming up? Well, we got our big Mace convention that's coming up in the middle of November. And Tony and I will be there um, front and center, actually, in the game room. There is a stage they're going to have set up where on Saturday nights they're going to be doing this big auction for charity. And the organizers of the convention are basically going to let us set up a table on that stage and kind of have a presence there, you know, as much as we want to, except during the auction, we're going to take everything down. So if anybody's coming out to Mace, come to the game room. We'll be there. Like Tony mentioned earlier, if you want to see how Netrunner works, he'll be glad to sit there and let you beat him at it. And also, we're going to hopefully have something special going on there. Now, If I don't know if you all listened to episode... XX, whichever one it was, where Tony comes back and talks about Gen Con, and he talks about his experience of getting to play the new game from Fantasy Flight, Eldritch Horror. Episode number 20 uh, on August 23rd is where we talk about that, and I got to play Eldritch Horror with Tom Vazel and Z Garcia. Sorry, that's just helping you out there, man. Boy, that was a name drop, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Anywho... Anywho, why do I say that? Yeah. Now, see, you made me lose my train of thought. Okay, so you got to play the um, Eldritch Horror. So there's going to be a preview events going on late October, beginning November, where retailers can order a copy of the game, and people can get to play the game before it's officially released worldwide. We have talked to our local gaming store. They're planning on getting a copy. They're going to let us bring that copy to Mace, and here's what we want to do. We want to play a game with some of uh, you guys that are going to be at Mace. This game plays up to eight people, but probably for the length of the game it will take, I think we may limit it to six. So we want four people to come try this game out with us. This is all if we get the game. So, you know, there's that caveat there. We want you to try that game out with us. And then after it's over, we're going to record a segment for the show where you can have a chance to give your thoughts on the game Basically, you're given a preview of of an upcoming game, which I think a lot of people really want to be interested in. When you see how hot Mansions of Madness and Arkham Horror is and how hot it's been, and the fact that Tom Vassell said that Eldritch Horror may replace Arkham Horror for him, that's a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. And keep in mind, Marty's already done all the footnotes and all that stuff. I mean, it all depends on... If I mean, if the game store needs, if if they get their copy in and they can find someone to run it with them, then we completely understand. So hopefully, you know, we'll we'll have it there at Mace where they'll let us borrow it. Say, you know, Friday because it's all weekend long. Because you know, Friday they've got other things going on. We'll let it. We'll let everybody know when we're going to have this thing running so that you can just you know sign up. We'll have. We don't know yet. We're, we're waiting to see. It's all contingent. And also, Tony and I talked, too, about uh, possibly doing some sort of charity stuff that weekend. I know some other shows are doing are working with the um, the charity called Extra Life. And uh, lots uh, Extra Life is, when you go there, it looks like it's mainly a video gaming charity. But a lot of uh, the other podcasts and other shows are, are going to use that uh, mechanism in order to raise money uh, for that charity through, through tabletop gaming. And Tony and I are thinking about possibly doing the same thing. And we thought that maybe um, for this game, that if you want to play, 
that if you would, you know, donate some money that would go towards his charity, that would get you a spot at the um, table. So we haven't decided how we're going to do the signups yet. I know they have signups for Mace on their website for sitting in on games, but there's not really a lot of control over that. It just has, it would just have like, Eldritch Horror, do you want to play? And we want to make sure that the people understand that if you're going to come and play that, you know, we may want you to donate a few bucks to charity. And would you be willing to sit in on a discussion afterwards and have it recorded? So we're going to have more details for that over the next month. So be looking for it both on Twitter and a blog post uh, on the uh, the forums. And we'll probably mention it again in the show, too. And one thing I want to mention, Marty, if you don't have three hours to give of your life. You mean to listen to Cardboard Jungle? Nice. I like that. That was nice. <laughs> or three. Hey, 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 they were ragging on me today because it was like, oh, we'll talk about that in a second on the on the showdown segment. Anyway, go but ahead. yeah. So from May, if you don't have three hours to give at May, either Friday or Saturday, then this is definitely not a thing for you because it, it's going to take to learn and to play through it. It's going to take us three hours. Um, there, there's no doubt. Other things going on at Mace, just want to mention out real quick, is the Queen City Game Club will be there hosting some games. Profess, the Professor Todd, who you've heard on the show, he's organizing all that up, and he's got a really good crowd that's going to help him volunteer. So if there's any games you want to try out or anything like that, um, t- pay attention to the Queen City Game Club and their posts or for events over there at Mace. In fact, they're helping run the, uh, the, li- the game library. The game library. So there you go. Definitely let them know they'll be more than happy to teach you any game and get you going on that. Other things going on, Mace, of course, you have the RPG, and then Marty mentioned the auction. So uh, take, if, if you're in the Charlotte area and it's the weekend of, what is it, November 15th, 16th, 17th, Marty? Friday, Saturday? Correct. Um, by all means, think about heading over to Charlotte up in the university area, and you'll be able to um, – some people have been asking us questions on there. One of the neatest things, and we've mentioned this about Mace, is the Grinning Goblin going around food-wise. Is that, did I get that right? By far the best food vendor of any convention I've ever been to inexpensive and you can take an order and they'll bring the food to your table that's just that's just great so except if you're playing elder char with you no food allowed <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah since it's not our game we can't like have you know drinks spilled all over the board game or previous shows of spewage going on we don't know <laughs> not going to happen yep and so the uh the last thing so so there's this Facebook group going on of uh, some of the Dice Tower Network members, and we will get go in there and and we just talk about different things, you know, ideas and and what do you use for your recording and videotaping, blah blah blah. So you know, right now Dice Tower is doing their showdown show. Have you listened to any of those, Tom? I've listened to all of them. Eclipse, all two of uh, them. Yes. Uh, hey. Yeah. Only two they're, so far. They're not long. No, they're not. No, they're not. So, you know, the whole idea is it's, it's kind of a, uh, t- a Tom is a moderator and he has uh, two points of view and people come on and, and discuss the two points of view. So it is brought up in this group that, hey, why don't some podcast possibly like me and Tony would go up against a couple other people on another show. And so the joke was made earlier. It's like one of the guys, I think was from Cardboard Jungle, said, we want to discuss why a three-hour show is better than a one-hour show. So that was the reference I made earlier. But now we're talking about possibly doing something 
uh, like that where other shows may, may pit themselves against another show, which we thought would be kind of fun. So uh, keep an ear out for that. I don't know how soon that's going to happen. I'm sure the guys that are doing Showdown already have future episodes lined up. So it may not be anytime soon, but it is something we're looking at doing. We, we look forward to doing you know, something like that. I think it'd be fun. And so Anthony, Cardboard Jungle, if you're listening this far into our show, because I know it's only an hour, so you should have the attention span for it. The gauntlet is thrown down. All right. I, I mean, you know, you and I can talk all about the, you know, the, the socks and everything. Because anyway, um, but it's, it's thrown down. There you go. We'll figure out something, big guy. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of an hour, we've gone well over an hour, probably about 20 minutes. So we need to, to wrap this thing up because people like probably cut it off. You know, they expect an hour. And if it goes more than an hour, it's like, come on, guys, and look at their watch. All right. Well, guys, appreciate you listening once again to episode 24, Stay on Target. And can't wait to um, get a couple more out here. We've got a couple five-minute initiatives coming out in the future. So keep paying attention to that also if you haven't checked out vanessa's marty's wife's blog she's doing a 31 day blog please go check that out give her some feedback um i I commend her i can't write a blog but once a week and that's just taxing to me i can't imagine 31 days yeah she she's doing really good so far i think she was in there writing well for when this was recorded, she was uh, writing day four. So uh, she's doing a good, she's really excited about it. She's having a a lot of fun. And like I had uh, posted on the forums, the whole goal is to entice people to this hobby. I'm sure there's a lot of information there. People already know that listen to this show, but it's really for getting uh, other people that have don't know anything about games and what it's all about. And she's just trying to give them some tips on what's so good about this hobby and some, some ideas to get started. Yeah, right. And also following up with the show, we've actually had a gentleman, his name is Scott Ballman. Is it Ballman? Scott? Yes. Scott Ballman. He, um, he's actually a writer, uh, wrote a book called rule of thumb. He's done a review of star Trek attack wing. Please go check that out on our blog as well. Uh, he wrote up a very nice review for us on that. He's also in our Netrunner league and he, um, dual scorched earth me the other day, just like you did Marty. Thanks. I said, I was sorry in the Twitter. I know that's anyway. Anyway, guys, we'll see y'all in about two weeks. So until then keep rolling dice and taking names. Be sure to follow Rolling Dice and Taking Names on their Twitter at Dyson Names. And also, where's the website? Where? Oh, it's at RollDiceTakeNames.com. Also, subscribe to their guild on BoardGameGeek. This episode was sponsored by the Gamers Codex, your source for game news, reviews, and a fun place to discuss the games you enjoy playing. Visit them at TheGamersCodex.com. Jerry Ryan in a skin-tight uniform princess leia in a bikini which looks better discuss bikini all the way leia for the win jerry ryan for the win it leaves so much to the imagination well that is assuming it's the younger carrie fisher and not the present one Ooh.